You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. I am your intrepid co-host, well, host, (laughs) Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I'm joined by my host, the industrious slash co-host. Host, host, host. I can't get that straight. Jonathan Cohn. Jonathan, it's great to have you. Woo. And Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Star Wars. For 2023, it's going to be a great year. This is like our final episode of 2022, though, so we're technically both, you know, we're, we're excited for 2023 and all it has to bring in Star Wars. Yeah. To finish out this year strong, uh, we decided to take a, a look and we haven't talked about these yet, but the last three uh, episodes of Tales of the Jedi, um, the, the, the fourth episode was entitled The Sith Lord, uh, fifth episode, Practice Makes Perfect, and the sixth episode was Resolve. All of those were directed by Saul Ruiz, who's done a lot of work. He's directed on, uh, obviously, Clone Wars. He did a bunch of episodes of Rebels. He definitely did some Bad Batch. I think he did about a third of the season of Bad Batch of season one. Mm-hmm. I also know that he di- he directed some Resistance, but I'm not familiar with his, because I haven't watched Resistance. Um, but <clears throat> That's okay. These episodes, no, he directed one of the, one of the first, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it's true. It's, it's sad, but true. The, the, uh, so, yeah, no, I, I'm interested in him a little bit, he, you know, because I, I really like these three episodes. But um, to start by diving in, Jonathan, what were some of your... Uh, overall impressions about them and then we can dive into individual episodes well i watched the first episode of the three like amazed i i I loved it Mm -hmm. the next one i was like i was really enjoying it and then they did something that was like really did you have to do that and then the final episode i was frustrated the entire episode like oh i was so angry watching the final episode oh Mm. so those are very interesting Yes. Okay. The first episode well, was I <laughs> no, I expected the I expected the reaction about the first episode, and I'm not surprised what you said about the second, about uh, but the the third or the sixth in this case, that was an interesting. You're so angry. Mm. Yes. Uh, we'll we'll mm. get to, when we get to that. Episode. I'm That's very a- curious about your yeah. What <laughs> what is it that led you to the dark side? So, um, uh, you know this this batch of episodes to me was. As a set, it was it was much uh, stronger, yes. much much more enjoyable, mm-hmm. and it felt a whole lot l- a lot more similar to, but still very distinct from the Clone Wars style. Yeah, you know, in spite of the, you know, obviously the tone change, um, so, you know, they really matched. You know, they matched at least the characters, but they put them in the, all of these settings where there was absolutely no fun moments the way the way that you would say and i think i think after watching more of it i feel like the portrayal of count dooku is the primary cause of that yeah uh, he's very you know and he's the way that he's portrayed it seems so just uh, he's he's broken he's lost at this point he just can't and he's so sad but he he doesn't have that dark side fire or rage yet either you know he's somewhere in between like he can't truly decide so 
I guess that was an interesting choice to portray him that way. I wouldn't say that probably all Jedi who are switching light to dark would have that type of, you know, middle ground reaction. Mm -hmm. Because his fall is so much more of this slow slide than we probably realized. Mm -hmm. Um, But, hey, there was some really cool stuff we saw. Some some of the little details in this episode you might have enjoyed. You're like, oh, they showed that. Uh, the music. I thought the music was fantastic in this episode. Mm. Um, uh, there were some cool music cues that we can talk about. The, the, the music in the whole three episodes. This just rewatching Tales of the Jedi makes me go, ah, just give, just give Kevin Kiner all the music. Just give him all the music. <clears throat> he, he just knows how to do it. But there were, he did some really interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the music when at the beginning of the episode where uh, Dooku is walking into the archives. That seemed a little bit newer type, uh, which was cool. Mm-hmm. But then he reuses music in the action scene that I thought was an interesting choice and had a similar feeling to it uh, to, to other Star Wars movies. So mm. uh, the music was really good. Uh, I liked that. Well, first I was like, oh, they got Mas- they got Jocasta new. And then when Qui-Gon started speaking, I thought I only saw uh, Liam Neeson's son registered for the uh for that one episode he was only voice cast in that one episode and i thought wait a second who'd they get for this one then and i looked it up on imdb and it's liam neeson yeah and i was like yeah actually got him for this first the second thing i thought was why did they get him for this but not for the other one i think it's because he's younger in the other one and so they wanted a Mm -hmm. younger liam neeson voice but for Mm -hmm. this one he literally has like three lines He's barely mm. like this was, was this I'm betting it was probably a case of they were bringing him in for his quick cameo uh, uh, for uh, for Kenobi. And they were probably like, OK, can we get you to say like these three lines for this and we'll pay you this money. And like right right then and there when they were doing the audio stuff <laughs> and he was like, OK, and he just reads it. OK, we got it. Good. Because like he was barely, <laughs> barely had any lines, but they still got him. Yeah, I'm glad that they did. Um, certainly his voice is so iconic. Yes. I mean, Aslan, so many things, like even the phone call voice from Taken. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in this in this like portrayal of him, we, we kind of get the first glance of his kind of master-apprentice relationship as it stood at the time of Phantom Menace. We yeah. saw little glimpses of it in the previous. It was, you know, we talked about it last episode, but moving on to this, I... You know, I'm such a fan of Qui-Gon. He's always been this, oh, like, yeah. father figure. He's always been, you trust him, you know he's willing to do the right thing. He's, he's, he just seems like he's the guy that you would play, say, hey, be my dad slash Jedi master, you know? Um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, okay, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, the dialogue between him and, and, and Count Dooku is so, so curious. Uh, wouldn't you wouldn't you agree like just the the way that they toss around ideas or, or talk uh, man it, it makes you it makes you sad it makes me feel inwardly like I know this is this is happening um, but I already see I see like Count Dooku we talked about how broken he was or mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that like he comes back to life briefly just ever so slightly because Qui-Gon is one of the few people he cares about and he Mm -hmm. believes like Qui-Gon still gets it. He knows and he like 
you know, he, he's that guy where he think, and obviously he thinks that he could recruit him. Um, I don't think he could have recruited him. I think Qui-Gon wouldn't have done that, but he would have definitely been disillusioned with the Jedi. Um, Qui-Gon could anyway. have worked with Dooku to make reforms, and Qui-Gon could have kept Dooku, if he had stayed alive, could have <clears> kept <throat> Dooku from fully falling to the dark side. Um, uh, uh, that's another thing, timeline. Think about like the timeline of yeah. this episode and what happens. Because it's not he doesn't go full until after Qui Gon's death, <clears throat> so it's like that was the. But he was all, well. Would you consider it full that he kills Sifidius? Okay, yeah, yeah, but like I feel like this episode, the inciting incident is him killing, like the, the, him him going full evil because he's even not. He doesn't even really refer to Sidious as master. I don't think not until not until not until this after episode he, not not until after he kills um, Yaddle, mm-hmm. and I feel like killing Yaddle is like killing Yaddle is akin to him killing is <clears throat> akin to Anakin killing like Windu like that's the that's the catalyst for him to go full evil, whereas him killing Sifidius is more Anakin killing the Sand People. Like mm. he's going on a dark route, but he's he's not there yet. Well, Sifidius' death, I mean, can't be, like, made into nothing. Like, that's murder. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Um, it's just interesting, like, this this particular erasal thing that's happening is, at the time of Phantom Menace, they're already thinking to, like, Clone Wars era stuff. Like, you would be, like, seven, eight years before <laughs> anybody even realizes that Kamido was a thing. Like. Yeah. That's how long it would take for this information to be, you know, brought out. They're playing um, the long game here. Yeah, yeah. He's really, really ahead of things. Um, so the thing about uh, Jocasta Nu, I, I, she always still frustrates me a little bit, <laughs> you know, when she's... But it I think she's supposed records. to, so... It does not exist. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think she's supposed to frustrate. So if that was the goal, success, because yes. she frustrated me here as well. <laughs> Do you agree? Uh, no, she didn't have enough time to frustrate me here. Uh, all I could think about is the scene where she fights um, uh, Ahsoka in uh, the Clone Wars. There's a Clone Wars episode where someone impersonates, a changeling impersonates Jocasta Nu. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that sequence. So my mind was racing whenever Jocasta was on screen. I was thinking about <clears> other things that Jocasta <throat> was on, especially since it was a really short cameo. She wasn't in it that long, so she didn't have enough time for me to have a problem. Or well, anything with I her. mean, I was thinking, you know, okay, we're writing Jocasta. What is she going to do to irritate? Oh, so she's going she's gonna to criticize Count Dooku and say, clearly, um, there was no Sith Lord. Oh, right, um, yeah. You know. And, you know, she's going to, you know, like basically demean Qui-Gon's report and be like, oh, you and Qui-Gon. And then Kautuku has this great line, you know, uh, you know, something about like uh, how the council lacks imagination, you know, or or not everyone. Or maybe she says to him, it's like, you know, not everyone has the imagination of, of Qui-Gon, mm-hmm. of you and Qui-Gon. He's like a skill far and far more. Uh, undervalued by the Jedi Council, like mm-hmm. how they lack imagination. It was just, it was, and I hate that I misquoted it, but it was a great reflection on 
one, you, you, you used your costume new successfully. Cause guess what? That's what she does. She aggravates and she just calls out, says whatever's on her mind. Cause she's dogmatic. And, you know, obviously Count Duke is as, if <laughs> he's as irritated with us or with her as the rest of us are. Um, and especially the way that she's calling out Qui-Gon. Um, but he also does it in such a way that he's so kind of broken at the moment. He just rolls it off and just like, I'm so done with this place. Um, anyway, so we got, uh, let's see another, some other good moments in this. I, I, I liked the reference to Obi-Wan when they're talking, um, Qui-Gon and, oh, okay. and Count Dooku. Do mm-hmm. you recall that reference? Like, uh, I mean, obviously I, it's more set up to, yeah. because it's like, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, one obviously confirming that Count Dooku never met Obi-Wan, but when Qui-Gon starts talking about him super highly and everything, yeah, uh, it's just setting up more of confirmation for that episode two line of dialogue that we got. And, you know, watching their interaction made me think, <clears throat> You know, it, what? Imagine if the timeline had been different. Had Qui- had 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 Qui Gon still been Dooku, or rather, had had Qui Gon still been Dooku's apprentice? How things could have gone differently? Um, <clears throat> if it, if this had happened, like you know, twenty years earlier, back uh, in that other time, how how their interactions with the Sith might might have been different? Um, uh, and you know, Obi Wan and Qui Gon have a very different relationship. Than Obi or than than Qui Gon and and Dooku did, so I would be I'd be interested to see like a what if scenario like this this whole series has made me think about what if scenarios a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I'm like well, I, what- I feel like they'd get into dangerous territory if they did a what if series animated. <clears throat> like, ooh, they 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 need to be careful if they did it because they could either infuriate fans or they'd make the legends only fans like go go bonkers. But in what hmm. if concept, I think would be interesting, like 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 just slightly changing things. Yeah, and my mind was wondering what if because you have Dooku basically warning the council for years um, about the coming darkness, and they ignore him, right? Well, here comes back Qui Gon. He's just faced you know Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and he reports to the council, and Count Dooku has a chance to just be like. Hey, you know that whole thing? Um, I can pretty much confirm that it was right. And you should probably, like, be careful or step aside or watch out or I should help you or something just mm-hmm. to keep Qui-Gon alive. But he doesn't. He yeah. has a chance to warn him. He could have. Yeah, he, knows, know? he knows that, that, that uh, Sidious exists and has his own apprentice. So, But they... Yeah, they keep going back to this um, loyalty to a greater cause. What do you think he was, you know, talking about with that? Who's who said the line? Uh, well, it was the the emperor. So Palpatine and, and Dooku. Palpatine says it twice, I think. Um, and so this, I think that, like, for for like Palpatine's version of it is his like plan his plan for the universe. Whereas if, if Qui-Gon <clears throat> was referring to it, he's talking about the way the force works. The, uh, but if, if, if Palpatine's Palpatine's, you know, has all the machinations. So he's thinking about how to, how to fulfill his plans down the line. So when he talks about the greater, 
greater universe, greater good type thing. That's what he's referring to. Well, I think it was in response to Count Dooku saying that he betrayed uh, the Jedi, his friends, he betrayed the Republic. And then Palpatine's like, no, you were loyal to a greater ideal. Yeah, or a greater yeah. Cause. yeah his, that's not his plan. plan. <laughs> he, you were mean, loyal know, to me. As, <laughs> as we know, Palpatine does not care that much for Dooku because he just shunts him aside in episode three. He's like, all right, I got a new apprentice. Get out of the way, Dooku. So he, he has no loyalty to Dooku, so he doesn't really have a uh, like a high ideal of protecting Dooku or anything. It's For him, it's all protecting his plan. But I do want to talk major, about... Um, major um, Harry Potter moments in that when McGonagall and Umbridge are talking and she says, disloyalty. <laughs> you know that scene in uh, Order I know of the what Phoenix. scene you're talking about. Uh, I didn't get that vibe. McGonagall? No. No. Okay. So uh, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I was going to say, I really want to talk about Yaddle. So I'm really disappointed that I was spoiled going into this, knowing who voiced Yaddle. Uh, so it did oh. co- color my uh, uh, view of it. Who does, who does voice her? Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Really? Yeah, yeah. So well, I like that casting. That's yeah, I, I do crazy. too. And they didn't like they. I don't know whether they augmented her voice kind of, but like you could tell it to me since I knew I could tell it was Bryce Dallas Howard. But they did a little something to it to make her seem a little bit older, because um, uh, obviously Yaddle's an older Jedi. But I liked the way that yeah, Yaddle, she's like in her th- mid three hundreds. I think. Yeah, <laughs> she's not. Yeah, she's not so, near so as old as Yoda. <laughs> not near as old as yeah. But still, she's not. She's not young. Uh, but what I liked was that she had this like softness to her. Like she had this kind of pity and she was figuring out what Dooku was doing. And she really is trying to help. Like she's, she goes up to him like at the tree and she's trying to comfort him. She's trying to help him out and, and, and talk him off the ledge and she follows him. And when she followed him, I don't think that her intent was to confront at the beginning. I think her intent was just to, keep an eye on him because she's concerned about him not because she necessarily had suspicions that he was a a Sith Lord and so it made her ending so tragic Uh, and I thought that they just wrote her character very well I thought that that worked really well in the series I also thought that uh, her action like her fighting she didn't have the crazy flipping around like Yoda did Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but it still seemed to, to work for someone of her species being so small and not being able to have as large a lightsaber, she was still able to be impressive in her fight yeah, against Dooku. I th- I wasn't sure what form she was using, but it, it was a lot of spins. Yeah. Um, very very quick, uh, agile, you know, uh, deflections and things like that, which she would necessitate because you don't have a lot of physical power. Right. With a stature of less than three feet, um, and. While I agree with you that I liked a whole lot of her development, there's one thing that really irked me. Do you know what that was? Was that when the thing came down? No, it's it's in the portrayal of a member of Yoda's species speaking oh, with normal uh, grammatical alignment. Right. I remember that, uh, that they were talking in an interview about that, and they were asking him, why did you do that? And he said that he, Dave, believes that it was, it's not a species-specific thing. It's a Yoda-specific thing. Um, and so he believes that... We've never got an answer as to why. I don't know why. 
But that's his his argument, and I don't, I don't I can't remember whether he said he got that from George, or whether he made that decision himself as a well, creative. But Knights uh, of the Old Republic has a character, um, Master Vandar, who is does. of Yoda species. He yeah. speaks in the same manner as Yoda, which is no longer canon. I realize the Kotor is not, but um, you know so. Like, what would be the argument? Okay, let's say that Yoda picked it up because it was a cultural thing 1,000 right. years ago. Or Well, or now we're cultural... in the High Republic novels, and there's no cultural no, no. thing where they so, talk that way. So here's my, here's my, my the way I'm going to spackle it. I'm going to say that it is a species-specific thing, but not specific to everyone in the species. So imagine that Yoda species exists on two planets and on one planet they grow up <coughs> and the culture of that specific planet is to talk in, in Yoda speak. And in the culture of the <clears> other <throat> planet they talk normally. And so it's 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 one species on two different planets but the culture of one, so it's not going to be democratized to the entire universe. It's going to be just among the people of that planet. And if there was a whole so, planet of like Yoda species, Yoda species out there, though, no, but that's what I'm saying is like, they, <laughs> and there's there there. This like, is who knows where they them, are. This is, I think, Lucasfilm leaving the door open because <clears throat> I think that they don't want to paint themselves into the corner of one saying any member of Yoda species has to speak in Yoda speak. That way they could do something like this. They, they, they're leaving themselves open. They're also leaving themselves open that if they want to do, tell a story about where Yoda comes from, they haven't been, they've been so vague that they can include, they can, they can make up whatever they need. So this just, this is basically them just keeping doors open. So hmm. I don't mind that. Uh, and it also, it also has to think about what, what are they going to do with Baby Yoda? Like <clears throat> Baby Yoda is probably not going to be speaking in the TV show, like we're not going to, pr- we're probably not going to get to the point where he's like maybe conversing in the TV show, but down the line there will guaranteed be stories. And unless he, he dies, there will be stories about Baby Yoda when he's comes of age, and they don't want to paint themselves into a corner of having to say, "Oh, well, he has to speak like this now." So possibly, I mean, they could, I don't they think... could make Baby Yoda speak that way, but they're not. Yeah, they I... don't have to by this decision with Yaddle. I think he'd be cute if he did. Honestly. It would be cute if he did. I think I think fans would like it more if he did. But. Yeah, but this uh, is just this is just like how like it's kind of like oftentimes with with either novels or comics or or movies, they will specifically at the studio or the company will ask the writer to write it in such a way that we never see the body. Like if this character dies. So that mm. if we need to use that character again, we can bring them back. This is that version, but with discussing cultural dialogue. Yeah. So, but, uh, well, I'm willing to move on from it, yeah. but I would, I would like to say the music in the fight sequence when the, after the, the, the door comes down, which by the way, that's like a brutal thing to include in a kid's show. Uh, when the, when the door comes up, the music that they play, it's one of the force themes, but it's specifically the iteration that they used in last, uh, Jedi when they reveal the uh, the force projection uh, that, that Luke's using, that it's they use uh, the same because st- that was a very distinct version of the force theme. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Okay, and, yeah, I and think I recognize that. Very, and they use the same distinct force thing because it's a very much a similar shock, shock and awe moment when she lifts it up and then she falls down. Uh, not unlike Luke in that scene. So I thought the music mm. was an interesting cue there because it let you subconsciously, if, even if you didn't recognize it, you recognized, oh, this is a big feat that she's able to do this. Um, uh, and then also I thought the writing was a little bit like she should not have followed him that close. Like when, when they both left, like she should have left a little bit more space or something or, or put a tracker on his ship mm-hmm. because he should have known. He should have seen He doesn't have someone... rear view mirrors in his spaceship. What are you talking about? <laughs> or sensors or something. We know that the ships can't have sensors, but still like, it's like she was like, like it was really very easy. Behind. Yeah. So you would you would expect if that was if that was Andor, <laughs> yeah. There's no way she they, could just follow his ship and and park outside and sneak in and nobody yeah. will you know mm-hmm. you know we're talking about the Emperor. He has he has like he has guards that are mute that he has you know done all kinds of torture to that are super loyal to him. Like there's no way, um, <clears throat> but. He's fresh to the chancellor position in this. Yep. Because this is Phantom his time. Yep. So this is early. Maybe there's reason. I don't know. I kind of get your point, though. Okay, so on to the fight scene. I loved I loved the dialogue because, um, you know, the the thing about this type of fight is, you know, the you know, the outcome. So you really want to know, like, are there moments that it could have gone and could you could tell, like, hmm. It could have gone either way. Like Qui Gon was being sorry, Qui Gon Dooku was being at least tested in his resolve mm-hmm. by both, and he was. But the moment that that Yaddle's like, you know, I left the council, I stepped down, I got to thinking about what you said. You know, we we really should not like have lost Qui Gon. He shouldn't have had to die. You know, you were right about so many things. Redeem yourself now by helping me take in this Dark Lord. You know, yeah. and even though you know it's not going to happen, I just I think that was a really good moment of writing and dialogue, and uh, that made the fight all, mu- all that much better. Because <clears throat> yes, it's tragic, but anytime your dark your dark character has a chance, like the more chances they have that they they get to turn off their path and then they double down, mm-hmm. you know, one it's more tragic, but it also makes you accept their fate a little bit better. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, having 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 the argument there of her presenting one side and her actually being willing to compromise with Dooku a little bit, hey, I stepped down, her being willing to meet him part way to try to bring him back, I think was really good. And also <coughs> having Palpatine there. It almost, from the angles, at one point, it was almost like an angel and demons on the <clears throat> shoulder situation mm-hmm. where it's like, she's like, come back to the light side. And he's like, come to the dark side. And it's like the, the, the tug in. It was like, oh man, if she had just forgotten about Dooku, had just thrown the lightsaber and killed, <laughs> killed if she had focused on killing Sidious, man, this series would be a whole lot shorter. <laughs> you know, he... Dooku seems in the Clone Wars just um, very stoic, um, mm-hmm. very confident in himself, yep. never questioning. Um, <clears throat> but to get to that point, he had this Yaddle trial to go through, which somebody that was his friend 
clearly they have you know a good relationship and respect and somebody who even partially shared his ideals mm-hmm. and um had she not witnessed Sidious yeah um and they spoke later and she comes to him and says the same things he probably would have played the long game to recruit her the way that he tried with Obi well, Obi-Wan yeah um but uh Tragic, but it shows how he got to that point that Dooku is in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> good development. And, uh, man, this was, to me, a phenomenal episode. I think it's the best episode of the, the bunch, personally. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I do. I totally agree. <clears throat> I, I love this episode. So much good stuff. Um, I think the, yeah. the, the next episode is the second best episode of the bunch for me. Sure, let's move on. So... Practice makes perfect. Directed by Saul Ruiz again. Uh, Dave wrote it. Yep. Um, uh, oops, my screens just went blank. Thank you, Cat. Oh no. He keeps knocking my cords. Take over a second. So this was an episode that deals back with uh, Ahsoka, and we're seeing it during the Clone Wars time. And I think that's one reason that this episode works so well is because it's so familiar. Like it just feels like Clone Wars. Um, it still feels like the Tales of the Jedi length of episode and it, that pacing that the Tales of the Jedi episodes had. But, of course, having it occur during the Clone Wars just gave it that indelible quality that we're just like, ah, we, we love being back, back here. Um, so, it, so it gave good nostalgia there. And also, it has a good plot. Like, him, uh, uh, Anakin, deciding to train uh, Ahsoka by using the clones instead of the droids is a is a very much an Anakin way to do it and him basically like forcing her so hard and keep knocking her down and making her keep getting back up afterwards is very much like Karate Kid like um, uh, where like he keeps he keeps getting knocked down in that movie and he keeps having to get back up and like like again 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 Uh, so I like (laughs) the nature of that my problem with this episode Stems. There's only one real issue that I have is that throughout the pretty early on in the episode, I realized, oh, he's training her to fight like people, like not just droids, but like clones. So in reality, he's inadvertently helping her be prepared to take on Order 66. Like she's more prepared than most Jedi because they all practice against remotes. They all practice against droids. It makes sense now that she's able to to defeat all of these clone troopers because she's been trained to defeat them. And I thought that is a brilliant concept. But the problem is he over-explained it. He he went too far because, of course, this is a kid's show. He had to spell it out. He had to make it obvious. So you get the final sequence of her and, and Rex walking into the room that we see from season seven, which was still, mm. oh my, a sad moment. Were you fine and with that, or where, where did he cross over that, to that you that it was too much? That was the problem. Having that sequence spelled out what he was trying to say with the episode. And if he had cut it earlier, if he had not used that scene, used something else, I think it would have been more... Uh, clever, but instead it's them. Tr- it's like, like like you have a really good idea, but you overexplained that idea. That was <clears throat> that was the episode because it's like it's not relying on the audience to make the the leap that I made in my brain earlier on. You're it's like 
well, if the audience doesn't get it, we want to make sure that they got it now. And so I just didn't like that he had to go all the way in the end of the episode to explain exactly the reasoning. Interesting take. I I actually just, I think that's what I would have done. So I kind of, I kind of disagree, even though it was on the nose. The way that I, the way that I write when I do, um, if I was dealing with something like this, it's important for me to show the reader that um, like a character like Ahsoka is not going out there and and surviving Order 66 where Jedi Masters on the Council do not. Um, she's not going out there and surviving it for no reason at all right. or because she has plot armor. Um, I want to show uh, a character who survives has trained for that specific moment and just... Again, Cat, you knocked my screens. They're both black again. But but um, but, but the point the, the point is, you don't need that scene to explain that. You can get it in the setup scenes. Like it's like a you can like they give you the they they give you the setup and you can infer the payoff. Whereas in this, they just tell you it. Like it's like they're very they're very obvious about it. They are. Um, <clears throat> But being obvious about it for kids is is fine, and that's what I'm and saying is like it's obviously like this is this is a kids show, so it's it's that kind of writing style that that they they need to make it obvious. I'm just saying, uh, if he had not made it obvious, I would have been like I would have had such, so much more respect for him as a writer for being able to make that point, but not be obvious about it. Hmm. Anyway, that's yeah. that was my only problem with the episode. Other than that, loved the episode. That the action was great. I cracked up at one point in the episode. Do you know what point I cracked up at? Um, I'm trying to think through any of the funny parts. Yeah. There weren't that many. It's, it's there really wasn't, no. The first time she gets knocked down and she wakes back up, uh, she's like, I've been out for an hour? And he's like, yeah, Jesse hit you pretty hard. And then Jesse yells from like across. Oh, and he's yeah. not even on screen. He says, sorry, Commander. And he is like way off, sc- off oh, the camera. Yeah. And it's way faint. But it's just it's super comedic in like he's, he's like super apologetic for doing exactly what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Yes. No, I, just, I remember hearing that. And I just, I just cracked up at that because that's kind of like you know the story. And the of, fact that it was Jesse too, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, yeah, because of season seven. But like in the stories of how they made the Lord of the Rings, um, uh, they talk about how when they were like fighting at Helm's Deep, like they'll be like hitting each other with swords, and then the second camera cuts. The, the actors would be talking to the, uh, the, the stunt people and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to hit you. And it's like, no, you're supposed to hit us. Uh, and so like, they're apologizing for it, but they shouldn't be. I, just, I thought that was a hilarious scene. Okay, I finally just got my screens back working. Oh, good. I swear, every time my cat just knocks over, I lose. <laughs> There's just some kind of short in my DisplayPort splitter. Anyway, um, that, uh, so... Talk about the second. Let's switch over to like this whole training thing. Yep. So the one thought that I had during during this episode is um, original trilogy Jedi and the way that I, after as you know, as a kid and growing up, perceived them. Uh, Yoda's description of them: Jedi aren't like warriors. War is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he does train Luke, of course. You know, there's physical jumping and stuff in the swamp. Um, but I don't. I I, w- I was thinking to myself, if you had shown me at a younger age, before even you know, before I saw Phantom Menace, showed me Ahsoka doing all of this, I'd been like, whoa, that was the type of training that Jedi did with these droids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, well, it's just like these really advanced. It's like you know, Obi Wan did with Luke. It's a training remote droid, but there's just you know, I'm like, whoa, like I did not realize this was what Jedi were. Is this what Jedi are? And then, you know, Anakin taking it a step further. But it really it really does contrast to me what Yoda's vision for the Jedi is versus what they had become. And it's it's in kind of interesting that Obi-Wan has such the reliance on uh, the the remotes. Like in, in this episode, it's obvious he's okay with just just using the um, uh, just using the remotes against Ahsoka for practice and training and stuff. And obviously, he just uses remotes, really, to train uh, Luke, too. Uh, that's what he... I mean, the argument could be made, well, he just... That's just what he starts Luke on. In episode four, he didn't have time to use more. But... Uh, he, that, so it, so it, it matches his character design. <clears throat> and it's, that seems logical that Obi-Wan's going to follow the letter of the law more often. So he's just... He's like, all right, you go. We got the remotes. That's the training. All we need. Whereas Anakin's the... Hey, let's <clears throat> let's uh, be experimental. Let's try to make this better. Uh, Anakin's the life is good, but it could be better character. So mm. it makes total sense that of the two of them, Anakin's the one with his apprentice to go out of the box, whereas Obi-Wan would be like, no, we'll just stay right here. You know, we've talked about Ahsoka's power a little yeah. bit on this podcast, like ranking her. Yeah. Um, and people always have this question like, well, She's got to be strong because she beat Maul, um, and we know how strong Maul was. Um, yeah. And she survived Order 66. Like, this does bump the needle a little bit as far as understanding why she mm-hmm. kind of survived Order 66 when others didn't. Yeah. Because she specifically trained for it. And, uh, sorry, moving <laughs> cat. Um, so that t- that type of conversation probably has a little bit of new information to it. Um, I really like, though, uh, just dissecting her style. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, I wonder what Anakin would have looked like if he was doing this trial yep. with all the droids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, one, I know uh, Anakin doesn't like, he doesn't waste strikes or jumps or anything. Yep. He just, he, he would just be like, shapoom, 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 done. Yep. Um, and he might... But he waits for that right moment, and then he would just deliver the strike. And Obi-Wan would just block everything and, you know, whatever. But every every approach is different. And Ahsoka looks so cool with all of her jumps and twirls mm-hmm. and the double sabers. So it, you know, <clears throat> one, she's, she's the, I think she's the byproduct of emerging technology, the availability of better choreography for an animated show mm-hmm. and having the, you know, potential to fight wild and crazy battles on a weekly episodic basis yep. until they developed a fighting style for her that was just super fun and cool to and entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was it was great to see that. Um, <clears throat> talk for a second about um you know, just the talk, the conversations between her and Anakin. Obviously, Mantlander is good. Good to have him him voicing back. Um, 
The, I, I got to say that the uh, you know uh, the Obi Wan voice was a little bit like old sounding to me. I don't know if he had a frog in his throat that day. If um, cha- um, James uh, Arnold Taylor, was yeah, what's his John De- Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Just kidding. No, um, <laughs> uh, James Arnold Taylor. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't notice that. What I noticed was his hair was a little long. Uh, Obi Wan, yeah, because it was probably like right after Episode Two, wouldn't you say? No, because he has short hair when they get Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie. And this is obviously after that because she's already Anakin's Padawan. So that's why I'm like... Only you would remember that. They probably did his hair Episode 2 style and forgot about the short haired. I don't know, but I'm just like... There is is no point in the animated Clone Wars where Obi-Wan has long hair. Because very good, they, the very first. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's what that's what bothered me with with Obi Wan. But uh, he he they didn't bring him back for much. He just has like a few quick lines and he's out. And I like that Anakin uses his own line against Ahsoka. He's, he, he talks <laughs> about, hey, you're right. Uh, you made it. Oh, good. I thought it was late. Uh, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect timing for Perfect you timing. is what I meant. <laughs> oh, we also saw a, a Depa. Uh, Deppa Balaba, who the first I always knew of her was that Mace taught her how to use, of course, Vapod, his own fighting style. That was how I know Deppa Balaba. But now we know her as being uh, Caleb Dune's um, master. Yep. So was that young Caleb Dune that we saw? Yep. I'm assuming. Well, maybe not because I'm so this is an instance of. I think that they just threw in young Caleb Dune because they knew he, they already had the, the <clears throat> visual design for Bad Batch and for stuff. So they already had the, the character design, <clears throat> and it was an instance of them saying, well, if we're going to have Balaba, <coughs> we'll just have our apprentice here. But maybe they didn't have the person on set going, ah, not on set, but in, in, the, in the artist's room going, ah, he wouldn't be here at this time. He's, he's still a little too young. He doesn't become her apprentice until later on in the storyline. Um, mm. uh, cause he was still a relatively young apprentice, like pretty, pretty new to her during order 66, at least yeah. that's, but as we've learned in the next episode, they're not feeling they need to follow the canon material that much. So the, uh, they can, they can mess with that a little bit if they need to. So it's okay that he's present. Mm. Ready to move on to that next episode? Yes. Are you ready for a rant? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm ready for a rant. And okay. I was actually curious, what is this rant? Go ahead. So, this, there, there's a, a complex of things. It all revolves around this book called Ahsoka that came out in 2016. Mm. So, let's go back to the book for a second. When they were working on this book, they had no inkling that Season 7 of Clone Wars would come out, that Dave would ever do animated prequel era Ahsoka stuff again. Like, they, that was not yet a thing. They had not had the meetings with John Favreau or anything. So when this book comes out, basically what happened was Dave said he would allow uh, uh, E.K. Johnston to write the character of Ahsoka and to write a story that he had outlined. He outlined this is a story I want for Ahsoka. And then he said to uh, E.K. Uh, he said, you basically you can, you can change it a little bit, but this is the outline for it. 
And so she went and wrote the novel and he read the novel and he like was advising her like this is one of the only books you and I were texting about this. This is one of the only books that Dave actually like had input on because it's his character. He actually was involved in the creation of this book. So he knows what happened. So this episode is basically this book crunched into like 10 minutes. Like he basically just told the exact same story in 10 minutes time. And uh, Hmm. when asked about it, Dave Filoni said, yes, I even used the same outline for this episode that I used for the outline of the novel that he made. So he admits that he's, he didn't just have a similar idea again. He admits he used the same. So that's one problem. The, 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 the going further with my problem is that in this, in the book, Ahsoka is by herself and then she goes <clears> off planets <throat> and goes back and forth between some planets and the Inquisitor eventually comes. She defeats the Inquisitor and then goes and talks with, um, uh, uh, What's his name? Senator Organa for the first time. And basically her and Organa basically come up with the idea of her being the new um, uh, fulcrum and of her working for him and coming back out of retirement to come uh, help work with him with the Jedi stuff. So that all happens in the book. And it is essentially the same thing happens in the episode. And if they had not had that scene, you could spackle it, which is what Dave said. Dave said, well, these are just two different adventures around the same time period of Ahsoka's life. But the same conversation happens with, with Organa. So it's not, so it's like, no, it's just, this is Dave's version of what he wanted that story to be. And this is like another version. So to me, what this episode proved is for one, Dave Floney doesn't care that much. It's kind of like he'll give someone an idea, and then if he gets to use it later, he has no problem yanking it back and doing it. And in two different places, he overwrote this novel because the the prologue of this novel is Ahsoka versus Maul, and it's totally different, totally different from the way it happens in uh, Clone Wars Season 7. And there's a pair of sisters in this book that is basically the, the Martez sisters that he basically oh. moved them around, moved them to Coruscant, but he, it's basically the same. They, they're not called the same, but they're basically the same characters. And so it's basically an example <clears throat> of him having these ideas and then him saying, well, actually, no, I, I want to go back and do them. And it's like, but we already put them in the canon. And so does canon not mean anything? And I think yeah. that I think that the other people at Lucasfilm, the, the writers know the movies and television are the big dogs. And so if they want to take what, like, E.K. Johnston has no problem with this happening. Like, it, it does not bother her one bit. Uh, the editors don't mind. And the Lucasfilm story group is probably, like, they would wish, they would prefer if everything could fit together perfectly and they didn't have this type of overriding stuff. But they understand this happens with every universe, every multimedia type thing. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's so blatant here, like, it's not just overriding a fact about a character, like how old they are or who they, who their family members are or something like this is like t- just redoing the entire storyline and just not have any, uh, remorse for, for stealing from yourself and overriding your own story. It's just, okay. So that was my rant I, as an episode. It's very enjoyable and it was a lot of fun to watch, but I was just so mad the whole time that he would have the gall to copy himself and a copy 
this book and not give it the decency of writing either an original storyline or actually following the book beat for beat. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah. That's my rant. No, I <clears throat> didn't realize all of that. So informative, but I'm, I'm tr- trying to consider which I think would be worse was is if they just directly broke what he like broke canon or doing the same thing, but just slightly different, which would be worse. And I'm like, well, same thing, slightly different. It gets the point across, but it is a middle finger to book readers. Yes. Um, that's, that's the, that's the best answer is Which that. is why you're, yeah. That's why and, and <laughs> I, I'm especially attached because this is the first Star Wars novel that I bought on release day and read in 24 hours. Like the, I started it at about 4 p.m. one day, and I finished it about 4 p.m. the next day. Like I was, I loved this book. It's my favorite young adult book, um, although it's slipping in my mind as it gets erased by the, uh, as its canonicity gets erased. But it's still a great book, and so it just like it's especially gut punching when it's your favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, and, and you're right. It's it's basically a middle finger to recreators. And I don't think that Dave intends to. Like I don't think he's consciously thinking. I'm going to give the middle finger to book readers. I don't care about book readers. I think it's that he just has this, I'm going to do what I want with this series. And if I need to tell something in my storyline, I'm going to make it work. And so he's going he's, he's gonna to find a way to make it work. And so it's just we're at a point where we either have to get on the, get on the train or, or we'll miss it. Because probably this is not the last time he's going to do this. I'm willing to bet that Mm, he only got away with that because of his, you know, position. One, it's his character, his position, yeah. his reputation. Um, story group probably had some conversations with him about that. I'm uh, sure, but Ahsoka is a canon novel, you know. It is a canon and, novel, but this isn't the first time that Ahsoka, the this particular novel, has been overridden. But it's also not the first time that, you know, canon stories like. Um, there's a detail of Master and Apprentice that is in contention now because of Tales of the Jedi, um, which I don't even remember. I didn't even remember reading that detail. Someone else brought it up to me, and I was like, I didn't even remember that part of the book, so it doesn't bother me. Um, uh, but mm. it did to someone else, and so it's it's evidence that they're they're willing to do this in multiple places. Uh, and mm. so like I, I I have to get over it and be like, okay. The movies, more people watch the movies and the TV shows than will ever read the books. So I'm okay with that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm like, I would be happy if we never had a TV show again and they put all their efforts into the books because I love the books that much. So it frustrates me when we get treated as second class. So it's like, I understand what they're trying to do and I, like, I'm not blaming him for this. I'm just saying it's frustrating. Mm. But we can talk about what, what yeah. actually works in the episode now. <laughs> Yeah, um, it wasn't to me as as you know as memorable or just it, it in a lot of ways it felt like just kind of like a typical background episode, but mm-hmm. rushed, very yeah. rushed. It was rushed. Um, it just was too short. If they had done more of the book scenes, then yeah, and I think it'd probably feel better. Here's here's <clears throat> one thing they could do, and they haven't done this, but they could say. Do you like this episode of this series? Do you like this concept? Here, here's a more fleshed out version of it, a full length version. And mm-hmm. so 
if they took away the canon idea and not everything's part, if they just said, you just want a story like that, they could do that with the Yaddle. They could tell a whole uh, uh, Yaddle and uh, Dooku story, like novel. I'd read that. I think that'd be delightful. And if they build it as, well, the, the Tales of the Jedi is just for telling this story for kids. If you want to see the big version, read the book. That would be cool. But they didn't pitch it that way. That's not the way they pitch canon. Hmm. Let's talk about this Inquisitor for a second. Yeah. Um, so, not a character that I was aware of. I don't know if he was a brother um, or a numbered numbered brother, the way that, you know, second sister, fourth brother, etc. Yeah. That type of thing. I don't know. We, we never get that. Um, but he just gets owned so hard. And so fast. Within seconds. Uh, you know, Ahsoka definitely not out of practice. Um, <clears throat> but the, the only vibe that I can say is, um, so obviously fallen order at the beginning of that game. Yeah. Cal Kestis is in hiding and is tempted to obviously save, use the force to protect. Uh, you've got the series Kenobi where Obi-Wan's in the same shoes. Um, all over the galaxy, Jedi are really faced with that question of when do I fight back? When do I use, what do I risk? Mm-hmm. Um, when, is it when better is it for me okay to just to live my life? <clears throat> yes. To, to come out of hiding and when am I ready to fight back? And that's different. And there's no, you know, simple answer for everybody. Obi-Wan obviously is different because of Luke. And so, and, and we get an exploration of Obi Wan's version in the Legends novel Kenobi, <clears throat> where there's mm-hmm. things happening to the local people, and he has yeah, to decide: I Am that. I going to use the Am I going to use the Force and help them, or am I going to uh, <clears throat> uh, let it happen slide so that I can protect the galaxy? Is is uh, the do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? That that question is basically asked in that book. Mm. It was it was a it was a good book. And that same issue is being painted here, just not, you know, very thoroughly, not in detail. Um, and Ahsoka very quickly makes the choice to, okay, I'm ready to fight now. Um, but they at least presented the, presented, and it's a recurring theme, so I'm fine with the theme being presented. And it's, again, just all of these episodes were very rushed. Um, I will, I will I say like, the opening, I did really like the opening of the episode. Yeah. With the good Padme, music, good with soundtrack. The with the 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 Padme uh, burial stuff, and then the the music switches. Like I was playing a game when I was watching it, I had like two screens, and the second the music switched, I said, "Oh, something's about to go down." <clears throat> and I looked, and I was like, "Oh, Ahsoka's there." Okay, that's why the that's why the music switched just then, and then it switches back to normal when they cut away from her. I was like, "That was very clever, the way they did that, and the way that." Uh, uh, <coughs> The, the way that he's basically talking to Ahsoka, that Organa's talking to Ahsoka, but he's actually talking to the, um, the, the Imperial Guards at the same time. Like, he's do, doing doublespeak. I thought that was very clever, too. Hmm. So, <clears throat> oh, apparently in the novel, she fought the sixth brother. Yes, yes. In the, it's in the but novel. But that's it's the not... Sixth not this one. 
Yeah, this one is not identified. Yeah. Like that's the, that's um, the thing is that it's technically not the same story because in the novel it's two <clears throat> two sisters and here it's a sister and a brother and in the novel it's much longer period of time much more stuff happens and it's a different inquisitor. So like yes, it's a di- but it's, it's the bones of it. If if you write the outline for the book and the outline for the episode it is the it is like the same thing and the same conversation happens at the end. It's not word for mm-hmm. word, but it's the same conversation, and that's that's. Why. I would be interested in um, what Ashley thinks, since she did the audiobook she of did. that book. Yes, yeah, and uh, clear, so she's done the voices for both. I wonder which one she. She does not prefers. mind because she got paid for both. <laughs> yes, money, 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 money. And you know, when I'm sh- uh, when they announced this series and they showed the concept art for this particular episode. A lot of people started talking with the author and started having conversations with her, and that resulted in more books being bought. So the author, even though it overrode her own novel, she was totally happy with it because she sold more copies. Hmm. So <clears throat> it's the same thing. We, 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 we texted back and forth about him potentially going in a different direction <coughs> for Thrawn, turning Thrawn more evil in the, in the Ahsoka <clears throat> show. And mm-hmm. uh, I have two. I have two minds about it. One is that this is this was Timothy Zahn's plan all along. Was he starts Thrawn as the most noble possible hero, and then he slowly becomes more evil, especially in that time period where he's in the Outer Rim. Now, what he envisioned for Thrawn's time in the in the Unknown Regions is different from how Filoni's going to do it. But it's the same. He go to the Unknown Regions, comes back as a pure villain to our heroes. And uh, so, and it, this time timeline even matches up, but also even if that wasn't his plan, he's happy because more people are going to buy the Thrawn books. When the second Thrawn makes it to live action, his books are going to soar. They're going to absolutely soar in the bookshelf, uh, mm. bookstores. So he has no problem with them making him a villain. <clears throat> well, my ratings, if you're ready to move on, yeah. I would say, I would say, in terms of ranking, it's easy because the f- episode four, uh, the Sith Lords, by far the best episode of Tales of the Jedi for me yes, personally. I agree. Even I though agree. all three of these episodes were stronger than the first three. Yes. So, <laughs> but I would still go ranked four, five, and six in that order. Um, well, would you agree with that? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, four is the okay. best, followed by five, followed by six. I'm going to go episode four as a nine out of ten. Marr, you stole mine. <laughs> okay. Um, episode, uh, <clears throat> episode five, I'll go eight out of ten. And stole then I'll mine go. Again. Oh. And then I'll go seven out of ten. So I'm gonna episode. I'm gonna give caveats <clears throat> for the final episode. If we're talking about like enjoyment, like having fun watching an episode, it was like a six out of ten. Like yeah, it was good, it was interesting, it was fun. But how I feel about it, it's way down the chart. <laughs> so this yeah. this this is rare. You don't get to hear me rant about something in Star Wars because I'm usually more of a ah whatever goes, man. You're like I'm I'm pretty. Pretty chill about stuff. It's true. I even I even it's defended true. I even defended the Last Jedi, which you know is a hard that's a hard sell to defend that movie. So <laughs> to to certain people, yes, I'll, I'll still I'll still say 
visually that that movie was the most stunning visual Star Wars episode yeah. that we've gotten. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, imaginative and the contrasts even though I hate a lot of the story and messaging and dialogue. Yes. And those type of things um <clears throat> the themes were questionable with, you know, are they foreshadowed properly built up all of those but visually, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, agree. so great episode. Twenty twenty three is going to give us um, Bad Batch. Yeah, we're going to get Ahsoka. We're going to get Mando season three. We're going to get a new uh, Fallen Order game, Jedi Survivor. Mm-hmm. We're going to get possibly, maybe uh, at the very least, we'll get some trailers for the uh, Skeleton Crew. I actually think we'll actually get it because they've been done with that for a while. Um. Mm. Uh, so we'll get Skeleton Crew, uh, and then now Acolyte will probably be in beginning Next of 2024. Year. But it's like there's like a chance it could be late 2023. Um, and then Visions, season two, more Visions, more Visions. I do like and then, I do like Visions. And we got a bunch of novels coming out. Uh, we got a new Inquisitor novel by my favorite, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Delilah Dawson. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot coming out. So hopefully well, we'll have a good. more regular schedule in 2023. <laughs> we will try. We were like we were solid in 2020 and 2021. We were we were like every week. And then 2022 came and just <laughs> Well, for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think starting in this summer we both got really busy. You had a move and a career change and yeah. all this stuff, so <clears throat> been a great year. Hey, thanks everybody for sticking with us, you know. Yeah. It's fun. And Uh, Star Wars continues to be inspiring. It continues to just show us a a better version of ourselves that we could be. Things to cheer for. Messaging that we like. A place to relax and have fun. All right. So you can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Stitcher. You can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. You can find my YouTube channel um, uh, under the name Jonathan Cohen. I talk about books of all kinds, including Star Wars books. And until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine.